honestly, the money doesn't mean a lot to me. It's what the money gives us that means a lot to me. It's this experience. That's what means a lot to me. And that is what what's driven us to get to this point. I'll, I'll give some advice that I have struggled with pretty much my whole life. And, and maybe others do too. I don't know. But uh, that is to enjoy wherever you are at in life right now. Enjoy it because it's part of your life. It's part of what's going on. And, you know, so many times in my life, I've said, I'll be happy when I'll be happy when I have a net worth of this. I'll be happy when I have X amount of dollars in the bank. I'll be happy when I live in that house. I'll be happy when I drive that car. And I've said those things to myself. And the funny thing is, is you get those, you might accomplish those goals and then you're not happy. And it's always like, oh, now I'll be happy when. No, it's it's not how life works. Be happy right now. Enjoy the journey you're on. Enjoy exactly where you're at. You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaires Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 230. Clark, how's it going? What's going on in your world, man? Dude, I'm just looking at my busted bracket here already. St. Peter's do that to you? <laughs> yeah, we're recording this the weekend here before this launches on Monday. So yeah, man, yeah, Kentucky just lost. That's crazy, dude. It's uh, yeah, that busted my bracket quick, man. St. Peter's pulling that pulling the big upset. That was right after I read an article. Somebody put a big six figure bet on Kentucky to win it all. So that was rough. You know what's interesting? I was ch- I was checking out just the betting odds and all sorts of stuff. In 2019, there was $8.5 billion bet on March Madness. Early signs show in 2022 that about $3.1 billion is going to be wagered, which is nuts, man. Have you ever bet on any games? Dude, that is so much money. It's crazy, right? Yeah, just to follow up on your Kentucky thing, that's we were like, hey, what should we hit on in the intro? And and. You know, maybe something around March Madness and finance. And I type in March Madness, like money or college basketball, you know, money. And, and the first thing that comes up, like you just said, <laughs> six-figure bet on Kentucky to win it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, some some analysts are expecting the total after it's all said and done to, to get towards 10. But but early early signs right now are 3.3 are and some change. But you know, as the tournament goes on, people were probably more willing to bet on different things. And I think just in general, too, the, the way that, you know, social media and online platforms, I mean, heck, you can bet on nearly anything. You can bet like, you know, five air balls in the game or you know, it's just crazy things you can you can bet on. So it'll be interesting to see how, how this year plays out. But most brackets are probably already busted on day one, just like uh, happens every year, which is why it's kind of fun to fill out a bracket, right? Yeah, every now, like after the first weekend, right, you always see that article on ESPN or somewhere that says only 0.5% of brackets are still perfect. <laughs> yeah, and then the next <laughs> day know, they're not. Like after the first day, you always you always see that article. Yeah. It reminds me a few years ago, I think it was Dan Gilbert and Warren Buffett, they put together that bracket challenger that can give away like, I think it was a crazy absurd amount of money for a perfect bracket. But of course, you know, it's never been done. No one did it, so... Anyway, hopefully everybody enjoys March Madness like uh, Clark and I are going to. 
This week, we've got Wade in there, former arborist, sold his business to go on a big sailing trip, net worth at $1.8 million. It's going to be a super good episode with Wade and Heather. Very interesting, different perspective on, on life and business. And, you know, we've had a few requests of uh, getting some people kind of in some more, you know, blue collar type or, or service type stuff. And so, here we go. We got a business owner that's in service. It's going to be great. It's a great episode. Last week, we had Jason. His net worth was 3.3 which was all in real estate. Appreciate you tuning into the podcast week after week. If you'd, uh, if you'd like the show, go ahead and leave us a review on either iTunes or Stitcher. It really helps us continue to grow the show and reach new uh, listeners and interviewees. wanted to read one from a Sliceaholic. said, important content alert. Eclectic is a huge strong point of millionaires in Vild. It's fascinating how so many roads traveled have helped their guests arrive at millionaire status. It's reassuring and motivating to know that there is not just one journey you must partake in or schlep your way through the corporate world to get there. A self-employed high school graduate such as myself can hope to and will be featured on this show at some point. So thank you Sliceaholica for sending that in. Definitely appreciate all of our listeners and those that, that leave reviews. And without any further delay, let's get into the interview. Wade and Natalie, do you want to just give us a little about your background and what you're up to now? Absolutely. So we're totally excited to be on the podcast and share our experiences and our kind of story with everybody. We are currently sailing around the world with our family on a sailboat. And the story starts way before that, <laughs> way before that. But uh, we left Florida about three or four months ago on a sailboat and we're headed out for a couple of years. Uh, to sail around with our family. And it's, it's just because we worked really hard to, and set a bunch of goals to get to where we are. Do you want to add to that, Natalie? How much background do you want there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what kind of background should we start out with here? Yeah, whatever, whatever you want to add would be great. Yeah, we have four kids that are tween teenagers that um, when we were first married, we went and finished our college education out at out in Hawaii and met a family that had sold everything and sailed around the world. And we always thought that would be an incredible experience to have with our kids. So um, life happens, had lots of ups and downs, but um, about four or five years ago, Things happened in our life that really had us kind of reevaluate where we were, where we were going. And we remembered that dream and that goal that we had had and decided to really go for it. So um, really buckled down and made that happen. And here we are. Awesome. And what is your net worth today? Our net worth is $1.8 And how is that broken up? So it's broken up. We, we have about $5,000 in a Roth IRA. We have Business uh, and business equity and non-retirement like stocks, uh, we have one hundred fifty-six thousand dollars. So seventy-six thousand of that is in just stocks, and about eighty thousand of that is in non-publicly traded companies uh, that we've invested in. We have fifty-five, or excuse me, eight hundred thirty-five thousand dollars in in uh, real estate and equity in real estate. Um, $250,000 in cash. We have about $35,000 in, in cryptocurrency. We have a loan out, uh, with the business for $73,000. We own a catamaran sailboat. 
that is worth $450,000 that we're currently living on. It's our home, but it is paid for. We have silver of about $7,500 and uh, and a whole a whole life uh, cash value life insurance of $35,000. So, wow, you have quite the quite the spread. So let's break this down a little bit. You mentioned <laughs> yeah. you've got the paid for catamaran. That was obviously something that you purchased recently. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. Okay, we and that was that August. Okay, and that was with the intent of that was going to be your home for an indefinite period of time, or for a long time, or what? Yeah. So no, it's so we we've had this dream to go for two years. Um, the the dream of sailing was was to do it with our kids in an age when they would be able to experience their surroundings as we travel around the world and do this. And it's not something we're like, hey, we're moving on the boat for the rest of our lives. We just had a goal. We wanted to go do it for two years before our oldest, you know, kind of flies the coop and goes out on his own. And our uh, daughter that is now 15 would like to do her, her senior year of high school. So we want to get back and get her back into her senior year of high school and a year and a half from now, or a little bit more than that. Okay, so and we want to get into the, the story and what y'all are doing right now. I mean, this is this is quite remarkable. But back to to the net worth. So you got a little bit in crypto. Are, are you uh-huh. a believer in crypto, or was it more? Hey, I'm going to toss some in there and see what happens. So, yeah. Do you know what I I I think crypto is something that is here to stay for sure. How it all sh- is going to shake out, I'm not positive. Um, I know the blockchain technology is for real. It's going to be used. You know, there's all these different coins that are that are coming and going. The market has just been insane, as anybody who's been following it knows. So I am not a speculator on crypto because I just I'm not smart enough about that to do that. And I if I did it, I'd probably lose money. So what I invest in in crypto are what are called stable coins. So there's what's called the USDC, which is the US dollar. It's a crypto coin that follows the US dollar. And there's companies where you can bank the crypto coin with, and they pay you a a pretty high yield for banking the crypto coin with them. So that $35,000 I have is in in USDC, and it's banked, and I earn anywhere from 10 to 12.5% um, annually on that. So it's kind of a way for me to just put some money aside and, uh, and have earning, you know, a, a decent interest rate of 10 to 12% all the time. Interesting. So when did you invest in crypto or when did you make this investment? I should say in, in, in a crypto. Oh, I, I, I had, I, I've owned crypto for probably a couple of years now. I mean, in a really small way, right? Like just barely kind of dabbling in it. Um, I, I put more money into it, um, about six months ago and have been earning this interest rate for about the last six, maybe eight months. It's not too long. Okay. And, and you, you mentioned you've got a, a whole life policy. Is that correct? That's right. Yep. What is, what is the strategy behind that? Typically we've, you know, just background. I mean, a lot of our, a lot of our millionaires are somewhat anti, and then we've got several that are of the higher net worth that do buy these policies. And I, you know, the financial advice is all over the place. So when a millionaire does right. have one, I always want to kind of dig into it a little bit. Yeah, no doubt. It, it's it's really interesting because I've I've kind of gone back and forth on that, and uh, we we educated ourselves 
on it. We've gone to seminars on it to try to understand it the best we could. And, and look, it's the most important thing, I think, is that you're putting your money to work somewhere, whether it's through a whole life policy or through, you know, good investments or whatever. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that we have the best investments, but so far it's worked really well. And, and the strategy behind it is, is we put a thousand dollars a month or twelve thousand dollars a year into the whole life, the whole life system. And the, for the first couple of years, you know, the, the, the numbers don't look great, but as the years go on, they catch up and, you know, when we're retirement age, it should pay out. If we continue to do this about $80,000 a year to us, where essentially you can take loans from the cash value of that right now. And, and though, because it comes in the form of a loan, it's not, it, it's not taxed. And so it's, it can be a very powerful investment vehicle if you understand it. And if you, if you work the system like you should. And for us being self-employed, you know, someone introduced us to it and uh, we we looked at it and we thought, you know, that's probably pretty good as part of our retirement. Um, it's not everything we're going to lean on for retirement, but it, it's part of our retirement. And, uh, you know, it'll pay us out. It'll pay us out some and, and help us, you know, more than anything, just just have kind of a nest egg there that we can lean on. And of course, it's got the you know, the death benefit, if I were to pass away, then Natalie would get that death benefit. So it's got that added value. But that's, it's, it's, it's more of a, it's more of a policy that emphasizes the cash value of it versus the, the death penalty of it. And I know some people, especially Dave Ramsey fans, and I'm a huge Dave Ramsey fan. Some people are going to be like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Look, it, the numbers shake out, they work and they're they're great if you work the plan and if you do the right if you do it right. Um and I think there's probably some that are better than others too, right? And what is that invested in? It's invested in uh to be honest, I'm not sure. So so yeah, I I I, ha, I we kind of put it on a plug and play type model where we looked at it, hey, this is great. We send the money in and it's been averaging about 12 to 14% return every year, but it's guaranteed, even if the market goes negative, it's guaranteed it will never go negative. So the least we'll earn on it is 0%. And the most we'll earn on it is what kind of whatever the market will, you know, do. Yeah. That yeah, yeah. And then your, your real estate holdings, what are, what is that in? Yeah, so we the home that we used to live in um, is now being rented because our home is on a, a catamaran sailboat, and uh, and then we also own a log cabin up by Yellowstone, and uh, that is an Airbnb, and that is completely paid for. And the home that we used to live in and is that uh, has a about a hundred sixty thousand dollar mortgage on it that we could pay off, but we decided that's probably not a good idea for us right now. Gotcha. Well, I mean, you guys are living and sailing around the world, so let's stop with the allocation and, and get into the story a little bit, <laughs> and then maybe we'll we'll back up to career and how you got there. So, 
Tell sure. us what you're doing now and, and where you're at. And, and I know you have the four kids. So just kind of give us big picture here of what you guys are doing and how yeah, you're spending I'll let, your time. Maybe I'll let Natalie swing at this one. So when we first got married, we decided to go to Hawaii to finish our college education, our last year, year and a half of school. And while we were over there, we met a family that had taken their teenagers and sailed around the world for a year. And we thought that was an incredible idea and we're adventurous and like to travel. So the kids and the kids just had this amazing experience, right? They were teenage kids. They had this amazing experience seeing the world, living abroad. And ever since then, I mean, we're not sailors at all, but ever since then we thought, wow, that would be a cool vehicle to, that'd be a cool thing to do with our kids at the right time to give them a different perspective on life and to do something that's just, that's different, right? It's, it's, it's kind of out of the norm and it's something that maybe will help them build them into who, you know, someone different than just the average Joe in society by being able to see the world and go through really hard things. Like there's a difference between traveling and sailing, you know, traveling, maybe you stay at hotels and resorts and whatever. That's a piece of cake. Sailing is can be really hard. It can be, it's difficult. It's kind of risky. And the idea was that we do this. We'd not only see and experience the world, but we would grow together as a family because it would be hard. And uh, hard things oh. are sometimes good. Every hand on deck. Everybody helps. Everybody plays a role. And we all have to rely on each other, trust each other listen to the captain, you know, figure out how to communicate effectively, efficiently with each other, especially at a moment's notice. You got to make decisions, respond, communicate back and forth and go on. And just in three and a half months, I feel like there's been huge strides in the communication between each of us. That's already really, it's been a huge blessing to just see at this point. So so, Natalie, yeah. did either of you guys have sailing experience before this? Nope. <laughs> we, we'd we been on sailboats as, you know, passenger, but never, never to this extent. We did go and take the, like, certification classes to learn how to sail and do all that kind of stuff. Just, I mean, obviously, we want to know what we're doing, but just even to, tr- to see if we were going to enjoy it, if this is something that we still wanted to do and um we, we're definitely newbies like we've got a lot to learn still every cell we do we learn something we're always reevaluating how things went if what went well what needs to be worked on and there's definitely a huge learning curve but we're all in we're we're learning <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's, it's been fun it's been interesting and and really, maybe I'll back up just a little bit as far as how we got here. So we had the dream from like 20 years ago to do this and to give this experience to the, you know, to the kids and, and for us as well, of course. But, uh, you know, four or five years ago, we kind of forgotten about the dream. It's kind of, well, it's in the back of my mind all the time. And then four or five years ago, I, I approached Nellie and I said, look, I, I got to tell you something. And she kind of got this look on her face like, uh oh, what's what's going on? I said, you know, that dream we've had of doing that sailing thing, like, I think we should really do it. Like we should figure it out financially 
and do it. And at the time, we were not financial, financially able to do anything like this. We weren't anywhere close to doing anything like this. And it was because we got on the same page and we set the goal and we were absolutely emotionally tied to it. And we talked about it nonstop. We dreamed about it. We, we talked about it. I mean, every, you know, every conversation was like how we're going to make it happen and the great time we're going to have doing this. It, it was all the time. And I think because of that, because of that and emotional investment into this goal or this dream, we were able to figure it out financially and put ourselves in this position to do this. And I don't think if we had this dream, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think if we had this dream, we would be as far, as far along financially as we currently are. To me, I look back on this journey and I think it's, it's, it's kind of incredible to me that what has happened from a very defined goal that we were a hundred percent invested into. And from starting from literally nothing to being able to have, you know, to go do have this experience and to have a net worth of 1.8 million is just, you know, I got to pinch myself sometimes thinking like, wow, really? Like we've come this far and, and we've been able to do this. And that I'm not saying that to like, you know, pat ourselves on the back. That's, that's not what it's all about. I honestly, the money doesn't mean a lot to me. It's what the money gives us that means a lot to me it's this experience that's what means a lot to me and that is what what's driven us to get to this point so you guys started in where miami we started in we bought the boat in fort lauderdale and uh we sailed down to miami which obviously it's not very far and then from there we left miami and went out to the bahamas and we've been cruising the bahamas for the last uh, three months. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Loan Steady. As regular listeners know, we love companies that can improve your financial well being. We've had sponsors carefully to make sure that they can deliver a great experience to our listeners. So if you're in the market for a home loan or interested perhaps in refinancing or would like to take cash out for a special project or home improvements, especially before rates potentially rise this year, Check out Loan Steady. They have 350 five-star Google reviews, so customers leave happy. They have a special offer for listeners of Millionaires Unveiled. Before April 1, go to www.loansteady.com slash millionaire and apply. And Loan Steady will, leave, will waive all lender fees, including application and processing fees. Important terms and conditions apply. For more licensing, please visit www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is Loan Study LLC, NMLS number 1701910, equal housing lender. So get a rate today and see how Loan Study can help you reach your financial goals. Go to www.loansteady.com forward slash millionaire to get your special offer today. So the stakes are pretty high here, right, guys? If you don't know how to sail, sailing late at night. I mean, you mentioned before yeah. we started rec uh, recording Bahamas to the Dominican uh -huh. Republic, late at night, high waves. I mean, it's some pretty, pretty risky, right? Yeah, it is risky. It's, uh, well, you know, so we. It's just we, like in business. You got to always mitigate risks and <laughs> learn and collaborate with other 
mentors that know more than you and just even starting out in the Bahamas, lots of little tips and tricks. And fortunately, this lifestyle, this community is huge on lifting each other up, sharing their knowledge, sharing information. I mean, there's all sorts of Facebook forums. There's anybody that you're anchored by is so friendly, talking to each other, coming up to boats, willing to share every anything you want to know from where, hey, my engine doesn't work. They'll come spend their afternoon helping you trying to figure out how to fix your engine to even, hey, let's pull out our maps and let me show you some little hidden treasures on these beaches that nobody knows about. So it's just an incredible community that you're learning so much from. And we're just sponges. We're just soaking it up. And we are not too prideful to ask for help and to learn something new. And and there is a lot to learn, but there's so many people that are willing to share it that we're making it happen. We're, you know, figuring yeah. things out. And as, yeah, as Natalie said, like we, before we got on the boat with the, with the kids, we, we took a, um, like went to a sailing school. And so we learned the very basics and then we've learned more and more as, you know, as we've gone on and, and luckily, you know, going from Florida to the Bahamas, the first stretch is only 50 miles. Although it's, it's kind of a, it can be kind of a perilous 50 miles, but the first stretch <laughs> is only 50 miles. You're crossing the Gulf Stream, so it's not to be taken lightly. Yeah, but, but, uh, but you know, the idea was, hey, we'll, we'll get the basics down and then we'll learn a little bit and we'll learn a little bit more and we'll learn a little bit more till we can do, you know, possibly big crossings that take a couple weeks or, you know, three weeks or a month, uh, depending on where we're going. But, you know, it's just one step at a time to figure all that out. And, uh, and doing, taking the next step that we're comfortable with, right? We're not going to take a, a risk that we're not comfortable with, um, yet. And, uh, we try to mitigate all risk along, along the way by, you know, we're traveling with some other boats that have more knowledge and experience. And between all of us, we, you know, hopefully make better decisions too. What do your kids think about this? <laughs> I think we're crazy. <laughs> you know, luckily we have, I mean, we have awesome kids. Any parent's going to say that, right? But our our teenagers, you think, would just never want to leave the home and their friends. But this has been a dream of the, of the family. This has been something that we've been kind of planning for a long time, and our kids have bought into it. And they realize kind of how special of a of a deal this could be for them to go see the world and live in other countries. And uh, so they. Yeah, they've, they've bought it into it. They're excited about it. Now, do they miss their friends? For sure. They miss their friends. Do they miss the home and the conveniences of, of, uh, land life and just being able to run to Costco and, you know, do whatever? Yeah, they miss that too. So, you know, it's, it's a transition and we're still in transition with it and we're still adjusting for sure. But I think it's going, I think it's going pretty good and they're, they're doing well and they've made new friends. I mean, some of the boats we're hanging out with, they, they've got kids on their boats and they've become great friends with them and they hang out with them. And, you know, like right now they're over on another boat watching a movie or playing games or something. <laughs> and, uh, cause we're at a marina here. Um, so, you know, that help that helps with the, the fact that they kind of left their friends and, and school behind. 
Yeah, totally. So let's just walk through some of the mechanics. You mentioned you're in a marina. Are you always in a marina where you dock? No, we've been, I mean, we've been in a marina a few times, but uh, most of the time we are just on the hook or we put an anchor down in a beautiful, next to a beautiful beach or in a, in a cove somewhere. And so, yeah, every once in a while we'll get into marinas. Here in the Dominican Republic, it's a little bit different where you don't, uh, you can't, they don't really allow you to anchor out as much um, because you have to check in with the um, the Coast Guard here, uh, their armada. Uh, you have to check in at them everywhere you go and they kind of like to keep track of you and they, they don't really like you. When you leave, they have to check out. When you get in, you have to check in and they, they don't like you to really just anchor out anywhere. Interesting. Does that cost to, to stay there on a, you know, nightly or monthly basis or how does that work? It is. Yeah. So they, they charge by the foot of the boat. So, you know, depending on how long the boat is, is, is the, the fee that they're going to charge you. And luckily the Dominican Republic is way less expensive than the Bahamas. I mean, this is like, you know, getting to an oasis in the desert because the Bahamas is crazy expensive with food with if you go into a marina it's crazy expensive where the dominican republic is you know food is very reasonable um and the marinas are are about half the cost of what they are or or less than half the cost than they are in the bahamas interesting so you mentioned a couple times that this has been a, a dream of the family I'm assuming since that trip or since the time you had in Hawaii, I mean, you've really had this as what a 20 year deal on the vision board. It is. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for the longest time, it was just kind of in the back of my mind because we always knew we wanted to do this when the kids would remember it and they could participate in it. Um, we see a lot of families out here doing this that have like little toddlers and kids and you know, a lot of those kids probably won't remember it very much. And we wanted the kids to participate in it. We wanted to remember it. We wanted it to, you know, develop them and as to who they are. And so, uh, yeah, it, uh, it's, it's always, it's always been a dream. They've totally bought into it. And, uh, what was the original question there? I think <laughs> I've sidetracked myself. <laughs> Just that it had been on your, on your vision board for roughly 20 years oh, at this point. Yeah, on the vision board. So yeah, so for the longest time it was kind of a it was on the it was on the on the board, but we wanted to go when the kids were a little bit older. And uh and so four or five years ago, you know, I was just kind of looking at my life thinking, hey, we've always wanted to do this. Are we gonna make this a serious goal or are we just going to make it something or, or have it be something where like when we the kids are out of the house, like, hey, I, we really should have done that. Like that would have been cool to have sailed around the world the kids but you know you only get one shot at things so four or five years ago is when we really buckled down we you know came together we decided yeah let's do this let's put a plan together and let's make it happen another thing that's kind of interesting is we really enjoy self-improvement self-development things and so um you know books and learning and all those kinds of things and chapter one of every book seminar, everything is all about goal setting, right? And so we've gone through all the goal settings like a million times with it. And you have things on your dream board that you had when you were a little kid that you thought you wanted, you know, the big house and the fancy Mm -hmm. car and, you know, some of these things. But 
as we've gone through life and experienced some of those things, like, and still kind of had these dream houses pictures on our board, we started realizing that those goals were a little more on the shallow end for us. And, um, they wouldn't, they weren't really fulfilling. They weren't really that exciting to us. I mean, a big house comes with a lot more responsibility of cleaning and maintenance and costs and all sorts of things. And that part of it wasn't super exciting to us. Um, but this goal, this dream of the sailboat and really the depth of the experience of it with our kids and our family and, and what this all could mean that had a lot more depth and a lot more emotion for us that, you know, that was something that worked, you know, when, when you talk about those goals and setting those dates and achieving those milestones. And when we did this, I mean, this was the goal that we were actually deeply emotional about all those things worked. It just like we hit those milestones and everything worked out. And I was like, wow, like that actually worked. Whereas some of those other goals that maybe we felt like we wanted, but, you know, kind of up and down about, we, you know, weren't really hitting those goals we thought we wanted. And so I can really see the value in what that goal, what that dream is and the why behind it. Do you want, do you want the big houses like a, I told you so, which I guess maybe that could be motivating, but, um, you know, or maybe you want the big house because you have a big family or you like hosting parties or you like, having people over you want toys like there's nothing wrong with that I don't mean to sound like I'm criticizing it's just the why behind it I feel like goes a long way you gotta be you gotta be emotionally connected to it to make it really come to reality yeah totally it's interesting you know Clark and I discuss a lot of times on when we go on other podcasts like the similarities we see between millionaires and have have things change from the you know, the studies that Thomas Stanley did back in the day who, you know, has been inspirational for us and whatnot. And we always come back to, uh, you know, a lot of things relate to intentionality and, and goal setting. And it's quite amazing hearing you talk about like, yeah, we set this goal and then, oh, crap, we accomplished it, right? Like it happens, you know, I mean, you, you set your mind to it, you get connected and you like focus on it and it happens. And the same thing goes with like anything most people do in life. I mean, if you really set your mind to set something that, that you know, we we have a lot of gifts as humans to be able to accomplish a lot of things that we put ourselves in our minds to. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, and going back, like we, when I first got out of college, I, I absolutely had the goal to have a giant house and fancy cars. And, and, and I accomplished that in some ways, but at the same time, we went into big debt and we were not financially stable. Our net worth was like, probably in the negative, you know, even though we had the things, there was no gratification in it at all because we had, you know, our, it was just miserable because we were in debt and uh, we made bad decisions. But, you know, on the outside, maybe we looked really, maybe we looked good because we drove nice cars. But uh, we learned that that for us, that wasn't, that wasn't, uh, you know, bringing us joy and happiness for us, you know, making a goal to do kind of what we're doing now is what really what really makes us tick what really got us excited and that's what got us financially free 
Yeah, totally. So I, I, you, you shared a few things with us before the show, and, and one you kind of just alluded to, and I, and I want to bring it up, and it, mainly just for our listeners to, to understand the journey that you all have come from. It, at one point in your, your life, you declared bankruptcy, correct? That's right, yeah. So here, on one hand, we're talking to a millionaire who declared bankruptcy at, at one point, which, correct me if I'm wrong, Clark, but we haven't had very many that, that have at least admitted that to us, but it does happen, right? So one, I want to illustrate the, the journey, and maybe you can discuss that a little bit of, of what that took to come out of that hole to now, you know, being emotionally connected to this coal cell around the world that you're doing financially free. Walk us through that process and, and how you were able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll kind of set up how how it happened. So, we had a business back in 2010 to 2015 and uh it, it was we were, we were marketing health and wellness products uh around the world and and it, it for a while it was great and we were doing fantastic. And then the great recession 2005 to 2015 is when we did it. So about 10 year period of time. And, and, and for a long time, we did really great. And then the great recession came in and things started getting really tight and, you know, everybody started tightening their purses and the business started suffering and we felt stuck and we started going into debt, credit card debt. We had some medical debt. We had, I was doing some real estate deals and I did some really poor, bad real estate deals and, and the whole real estate market dropped out from underneath us. And our, you know, at the time it was, it was a really dark time of our life. I'll, I'll be completely honest. It was really, it was really hard. It was really dark. Um, it was really scary. Uh, tears were shed. Um, it was tough, you know. We, we, we decided that we were going to declare bankruptcy and try to start over. Now, that's not something I'm proud of. And it's not something that I even share with friends or family or, or anything like that. Because uh, to be honest, I'm, um, I'm ashamed of it. Um, it's not something that, that, uh, is, you know, it's not part of my history that I'm like, Hey, I did this and it, it worked out great, but it is who we are. It's part of our history. It's a scar that we have and it's a scar that you know, taught us great lessons of what not to do. So uh, we did declare bankruptcy and it was, what year was it? 2015 is when we did that. And, you know, I went through a major humbling phase and uh, I, I paid my way through college mowing lawns and doing landscaping and stuff like that. And, you know, ended up uh, going back to that. Because I had kids and a wife and I had to provide for them and I had to figure out what to do. And one of the ways I knew I could do that was pulling out a lawnmower and aerating machine and go around and, and make that happen. And I've, I've always been kind of handy with, you know, yard things and because I, I had that business before. And so I went out and I started doing that and uh, built that business up and, and, quickly discovered that uh, I loved doing tree work and uh, I love being in the trees and that was kind of a connection for me and it was it seemed like a good business model and so I became a certified arborist and started a business essentially being an urban lumberjack where uh, we started business removing trees and pruning trees and things like that and built that business up to a point where 
we ended up selling it um, and uh, and we sold it so that we could come do what we're doing and be 100% uh, mentally here with the family sailing because if I'm the type of person that if I had tried to just put a manager on it, my mind would have always been back to the business wondering what was going on and making phone calls and everything else. And so we sold that business. And, uh, you know, that put us over the, well, before that we were over the mark of a million dollars of a million dollars as far as net worth, but that put us in a position where we could go do what we're doing now. So, you know, back to the bankruptcy thing, it was dark, it was scary. It was, it was something we're not proud of, but, but here's the thing is we learned a lot from it and, uh, you know, we all learned really hard things from, we learn a lot from really hard things that we go through. And uh, this is something that was very difficult for us. And we we didn't take the decision lightly. From then on forward, we decided we weren't going to go into any more debt. And we didn't. We I drove really crappy cars. And Natalie drove really crappy cars. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we downsized our house. Everything, everything was downsized. But from there, there on, everything was paid for in cash. And we built our business, our, our uh, tree business in cash. We bootlegged it. We didn't take on any loans. And uh, we saved as much money as we possibly could because we had made a commitment that we would never, ever put ourselves into that position again because it was so dang painful to go through it. And, uh, and we haven't, and we hope we never have, but, but here's the thing. I, I hope that anyone that might be listening to this, that has maybe gone through bankruptcy or gone into a place of, you know, in their financial life where they feel like there's no light, there's no hope and they feel stuck. Just know that there is, I mean, there totally is. You can totally bounce back from it. You can conquer it. You can overcome, you know, figure out what drives you, figure out what uh, you're passionate about, make those goals, make them clear, emotionally connect to them. And you can absolutely bounce back and, and become a millionaire if that's what you want to do. And that, I know that's not the goal of everyone, but I'm guessing a lot of people that listen to this podcast, <laughs> I'm guessing that is their goal. And uh, I'm thinking there's probably a lot of millionaires that have that are listening to this podcast too, trying to figure out ways that they can continue to grow and learn. And that's why I listen to your podcast because, man, I've learned so much from the different millionaires interviewed on this on this podcast. But uh, yeah, that's that's our story. That's who we are. Uh, like I said, it's not something we're proud of, but it's it's a scar we have, and it's a scar we'll wear, and it's a scar we'll you know, learn from. So we don't repeat the mistakes of the past. Yeah, totally. So let me ask when, when you were going through this and, and you ended up getting to the point where, where you started to build some wealth, started looking at this dream of, of sailing. When did you know to pull the trigger on selling the business and doing that? I mean, at, at what point did you feel like that was where that financial freedom kind of pendulum swung in your favor for, for you to be able to do what you're doing now? Yeah, do you know, I'll, I'll be completely honest. It was not a smart time for us to sell the business because the business was doing awesome. And we would have financially been way ahead if we would have held on to the business. 
and just continued to work it and then, you know, sold it sometime in the future. But to us, it wasn't like the, the money's never to, uh, to us. The money's not about the money. The money's about what it allows us to do, which is what we're doing right now. And we sold the business because we were on a time frame of taking our kids at the ages they're currently at to do what we're doing, to go sail around the world. Um, that's why we sold the business. It wasn't because it was the absolute smartest financial thing to do. Well, I mean, first of all, Wade and Natalie both, thank you for opening up and, and sharing all this. It's obviously not an easy thing to do, especially to people you don't know and, and not knowing how many people will hear it. So I appreciate you opening up and sharing your story a bit. So thank you. The one thing I, I really admire just as I'm, I was listening to Jace ask questions is, is both of your perspectives, right? When you were down learning, setting goals, how, when, when you were at the, let's call it the bottom, I don't know if it was the bottom of your life, but at, of that moment, how did you maintain your perspective? You know, you mentioned you had to go out and provide for a family and you, you just tried to find work and, I mean, how did you both, whether you, I don't know, Natalie, if you were working as well outside the home, but how did you guys maintain that perspective and that hope for the future? I will say starting out something that Wade and I have always been good at is we've always been good at being partners and whether it's life, business, friendship wise, like we work really well together my accounting degree, I got a degree in accounting, which comes in handy with an entrepreneur as a husband. And um, we, we trust each other, we let each other work out our own field of expertise, we allow for mistakes. And we've never pointed fingers and blamed each other or criticized each other. We just let each other learn at our own pace. We will talk things out with each other, brainstorm things out with each other, ask for advice if we need it. But a lot of times we've just kind of been that sounding board on each other. As far as, you know, when the bankruptcy went, when we were in that thing, instead of it coming between us, it really kind of brought us more together. We really locked arms, try to figure out how are we going to make this happen I, because of my accounting degree, I could have easily got a job. I actually did have job offers and, um, talked to Wade about, you know, that, cause I felt like here I'm an able person. I can go work and br- help bring help. You know, I can help. And so as we talked that out, I just, Wade want really felt like, I mean, both of us felt like I needed to be in the home with the kids first and foremost. That was always a top priority goal for us. And, um, you know, maybe he also wanted to keep me to himself for doing his accounting books and things. That's right. She wouldn't do my accounting. But, um, but also just that I just really had, I mean, that we had a lot of praying and, and trying to figure things out and, you know, whether you're listening, or religious or not, but I just had real strong impressions that I needed to trust Wade. And not that I didn't trust him, but, you know, in general, but I think it was like, he's going to figure this out. You know, I just need to be there to support him. But I think the biggest things were we just, we were doing it together and putting our heads together and trying to figure out what to do and, and made all the decisions together. We, we never made decisions without the other person and, and 
you know, kind of supported each other through all those hard times. And I think that made a big difference. Absolutely. And yeah, I'd say that as far as Natalie, there's, I I couldn't have done any of this without her. Like we truly are a partnership in everything we do. I, 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 I'm kind of the vision guy, I guess, that goes out the big, big picture and, and she takes care of the details, which is fantastic because I am not a detail oriented individual. And, uh, we just, we complement each other really well. But as far as perspective goes, it, it was really hard. I mean, sometimes, you know, when I say those were dark times, it was, it was dark because you lose your perspective and you, you tend to lose your way when you're, when you're in a business that's, that's failing or you're financially failing. You feel like you, you're a loser. You feel like you, you know, you're not living up to your potential. And that's, that's how I felt. And, uh, I think that the thing that got me out of it is just knowing that, look, nothing, um, stays the same. Like if there's one thing that we can depend on, that is, that's change. We can depend on change. Everything is going to constantly change. No matter what we want to do, it's going to change and we can make it change for the better, or I guess we can make it change for the worse, but. I guess that was the perspective I had is that I knew things could change. I knew they would change. And I knew if I just put one foot in front of the other and worked hard, then we could do it. Here's one thing I also know, too, is we can accomplish a lot in a long period of time. And we we usually underestimate how much we can accomplish over a several year period of time. But, and we usually overestimate how much we can accomplish in a short period of time. And I knew that. And I knew if I just put one foot in front of the other and just kept moving forward and tr- figuring things out and adjusting and saving, we could get back on top of it again. And, and essentially, that's what we did. And, you know, sometimes all you have to hang on to is just a little bit of hope, right? You just have a little bit of hope and that's all you've got. And that's all you need because you, you hang on to that hope. You have a little win. It builds a little confidence. And then you, you know, maybe get another little win. It builds a little more confidence. And then before you know it, you're kind of on, you're rolling and you're running and, and things are going fantastic. And, uh, I would say that's kind of our story. You know, it's just, it was just continuing to move and not, you know, hunkering down and, and sorrow from our mistakes. Yeah, well, thanks so much to, for sharing. I mean, it's inspiring just to sit and listen and hear about what you guys are doing now. I mean, just in review here, net worth of 1.8, sold a business and now sailing uh, around the world with four kids. So pretty amazing story. Thanks for hanging with us. I know we're going over on time here. So let me just wrap up with a few real quick rapid fire questions that are going to be different than what we normally do, but right along lines with what you guys are are doing here with the sailing. So these are just kind of the questions as I was listening to you guys tell your story and Jace asked questions. These are the ones that I thought, you know, that might be something someone's curious about. So how uh, often do you have to load up on food and grocery shop? <laughs> <laughs> Whenever we have a grocery store, access to a grocery store, um, we provisioned. So we do have quite a bit of the non-perishable things. So usually the grocery stores are the fresh stuff. But we are, you know, usually every could be two weeks. Yeah, we'll go at least a couple of weeks sometimes without getting any any groceries at all. But you should have seen us in the grocery store yesterday. We had two full carts, not one, but two full carts. <laughs> and we probably filled the third. And that wasn't provisioning. 
that was just like getting back on top of the food supply on our boat. I mean, we've got hungry teenagers, so you know we have to we have to bring it in, or they're getting upset with us. Well, and and me that so Bahamas, like Wade said, is really expensive, but everything is shipped in. They don't grow anything, so produce is super expensive. So coming to the Dominican Republic and this array of fresh produce, I think I had a, a cart that was full of just produce. It was fantastic. <laughs> So this obviously depends on where you're at. You talked about port fees earlier, but I mean, do you have a budget for this or how much is this costing you guys? You know, it's when we were first putting our budget, something we haven't even talked about is the COVID stuff. We kind of had a budget on what our monthly expenses were going to be. COVID, um, a lot of times, a lot of countries are requiring COVID tests and health visas now. And with a family of six, you know, your $250 plus a COVID test, health visas are anywhere from 60 to $300 per person kind of a thing. It's just, it's going to eliminate a lot of countries that we're going to be able to go to just financially because we didn't budget for it. I mean, all the COVID stuff was going on as we were selling our business and buying a boat. So it's something that we're going to have to be flexible with. But yes, I mean, port fees, we definitely, our our budget, we want to stay between like four to five thousand dollars a month um depending on the countries that we're in that that includes like our health insurance and that includes yeah like phone and phone and some of the expenses we still have ongoing and is that more or less than what you were spending uh before before doing the sailing trip less it's less yeah there you go you're saving and having a better experience (laughs) (laughs) i mean when I originally talked about the big house and all the expenses of keeping up for it, let me put it out there. I I fully realized that owning a boat is expensive and a lot of maintenance. So wow. <laughs> I don't want to downplay that. So you purchased the boat for 450000 right? Is that, is that a what you said? Bit that. A little bit less than that, but we put, um, we put a lot of upgrades and improvements on the boat. Okay, so the four fifty or a little less than that plus upgrades. What does that get you? What am, what am I looking at? So we we own a, a Leopard forty eight. Leopard's just the brand. It's a boat made out of South Africa. It's forty eight feet long. It's got four bedrooms, four bathrooms. It's a catamaran, by it's the way. It's a catamaran, so it has two different holes on on it, and uh, it's twenty five feet wide and forty eight feet long. So a lot of the upgrades and things that we've put on it is solar power, lithium batteries. You got to have a water maker out here. You're, you know, you got to have a, a, the water maker is the desalinization system, you know, that changes the ocean water into drinkable water. Um, You know, just a lot of equipment. New new electronics, like chart plotters and stuff like that. that, New cells. You know, helps us safely, safely charter course across you know, passages and whatnot. Wow. Four bed, four bath, pretty big. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's tiny house living, I would say, but, uh, it's, it's, it's good enough room for the six of us to live on comfortably, I guess. You're definitely living a a minimalist lifestyle, but a lot of people ask if we feel claustrophobic or like we're living on each other, but there's a lot of livable space on these catamarans. You, there's a lot of places you can go to be alone right here on the boat. And um, we did a lot of research and 
<laughs> went to a lot, saw a lot of different boats and, you know, you kind of make your list of the things you want and need and, and go from there. But it, it's fit us really well. And I feel like it's really fit our needs. In fact, four bathrooms was kind of silly to us. I mean, our house at home didn't have four bathrooms. And so we actually turned two of the bathrooms into like one bathroom, we turned into a laundry room. And the other bathroom is a storage room, like tools and extra parts and things. And so so now it's a four bath, I mean, two, two bath, four bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. And, and the bathroom can be converted back, but it's yeah. just, you know. Yeah, storage is a premium on these boats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you answered some of my other questions on. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I said I really, really wanted my own washing machine on board. I did not want to do a little five pound bucket washing clothes of, for six people on a boat like this. It would be not fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're answering some of my questions, just talking cell phone insurance. So how long are you guys doing this for? The plan is two years and we're about a little over three months into the two years. Wow. Wow. Good for you. And then after, is there a plan to go back to work, to build up another business, to do something else? What's the plan afterwards? For sure. I mean, I'm 43 years old. Natalie's 41. I, I would be bored stiff <laughs> doing nothing, uh, getting back. And, and, and look, I love, I love working. I love process of building a business. And so I'll get back. We may do, we, we may do, uh, more real estate investing type things. I've done, a, you know, a decent amount of real estate projects in the past. So we may, do more of that. Um, I don't know. You know, that's the beautiful thing about it is where we're at, we can kind of pick and choose what we want to do. And we're, you know, kind of look for those opportunities as they present themselves when we get back. Yeah. So just in closing here, I mean, obviously you've shared a lot of advice and, and mistakes throughout the way, and, and I really appreciate that. But just in closing, last words of advice or mistakes or things you wish you would have done differently or, or something you're glad you did here to, to close it out. So Natalie, let's start with you. On the spot. Well, let's see. I would say enjoy the learning. I think a lot of things that we did right was we're always trying to learn. We're always trying to do better and you know, whether that's the self-development, self-improvement, or just the industry you're in, or you want to learn how to sell, dig in and learn how to sell. There's, there's so much, there's so many opportunities in life to learn. And there's so many things you can learn that, you know, and if you don't even know what you like, or what you want to try, just start trying some things, you know, to find out what that is. I feel like when we the things we did right were following our passions and, and we've always thought outside the box and we've always been willing to, you know, maybe not do something as glamorous. I mean, starting a business doing trees maybe isn't what typical business school graduates want to do, but Wade's always loved working in the outside and, and working in nature and, and building businesses at the same time. So he used that passion and made something great from it. So don't be afraid of what your passion is and the, the direction that you want to go on, because that's what you're going to be more successful doing versus what 
the next, you know, the mother or mother-in-law or somebody's telling you what you need to do or should do, or, you know, society's trying to tell you what's right or wrong, but think outside the box, trust yourself, work hard and, you know, learn from your mistakes. It's, it's easy now to kind of see both sides of the coin of, you know, the, the hardships and the, the bad things along with the good things. I think, you know, if we would have stayed in the big house, you know, this is pre bankruptcy, like stayed in the big house and, and live this lifestyle, whatever that we thought we wanted, we may not be on the sailboat today with our kids doing what we're doing. That might've been a lot harder for us to give up that house and give up where we were. But because we went, we were able to kind of reevaluate what was most important and what we wanted. And it wasn't, you know, this was the direction we wanted to go. So we were able to make those choices that, I don't know, are a lot more exciting for us. So I just feel like follow your passions, don't stop learning and learn from your mistakes. It's all any of us can do in life, right? And I would say, um, as far as last words of advice, so I'll I'll give some advice that I have struggled with pretty much my whole life and, and maybe others do too, I don't know. But uh, that is to enjoy wherever you are at in life right now. Enjoy it because it's part of your life. It's part of what's going on. And, you know, so many times in my life, I've said, I'll be happy when I'll be happy when I have a net worth of this. I'll be happy when I have X amount of dollars in the bank. I'll be happy when I live in that house. I'll be happy when I drive that car. And I've said those things to myself. And the funny thing is, is you get those, you might accomplish those goals and then you're not happy. And it's always like, oh, now I'll be happy when. No, it's that's not how life works. Be happy right now. Enjoy the journey you're on. Enjoy exactly where you're at. And uh, it's okay. If, if you're not like a multimillionaire, it's, it's fine. You can be there someday, but certainly love your life wherever you're at, no matter what it is. And always constantly be putting one foot in front of another towards improvement and towards betterment. And if you do that, look, you're going to be successful. Whether you have a million dollars or not, you're going to be successful in, uh, in whatever you, you want to be doing. Yeah, good advice. Hard to do, right? Hard, hard, hard to, to do. do. Extremely yeah. hard to do. I, again, I say that because it's something that I've struggled with. Just you know, loving where you're at. It's, uh, it's something that I think maybe... We all struggle with a little bit. Sure. Well, thank you both, both Natalie and Wade. Thank you so much for sharing. What a fantastic interview. What a fantastic journey and story. So thank you. I really, really appreciate both of us for reaching out and coming on the show and spending some time. And I know it's getting late there, so I won't keep you any longer. But thanks again, everybody. That's Wade Natalie, net worth of 1.8. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.